I am publishing a book through Unbound. Unbound are a publishing company, which means that they don't publish things that they don't think are good and that they edit and they support their authors. The thing that makes them different from other publishing companies is their half publishing company and half crowdfunding company, which means that the way that the books get published is that people who want to read the books pre-order those books. They can pre-order them as a digital copy or as a hardback, or they can pledge more money to get different kinds of things along with the book that they're pre-ordering. Unbound approached me in December to see if I wanted to adapt my show What About the Men? Mansplaining Masculinity into a book and I said yes please I definitely would like to do that and so that is what I'm doing. If you go to the Unbound website and there'll be a link to this in the show notes you can find Mansplaining Masculinity over there and pre-order a copy of that book. The way that this book is going to get made is by people like you pre-ordering it and pledging to it and people like you telling other people about it, sharing it on social media, recommending it to other people, those kinds of things. You can find out what the book is fully about by reading about it on the page. There's a video of me in a purple dress and fedora with my childhood toy dolphin telling you about what the book is about. Video is your preferred way to absorb information. But basically, Mansplaining Masculinity is about looking into myself and looking out at culture and thinking about how masculinity is constructed and created and how systematic elements contribute both to the ways that men are hurt by society but also the ways that men hurt other people in society. It is not a book that says that men are the problem but it is a book that will say that we can be part of the solution. And if you want to get an idea of what it's like before you pledge to it, you can listen to a podcast of the show that it's adapted from on the website mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk. And also there was an episode of BBC Radio 4's Forethought called Liberating Men, which was a reflection on an extension of the show. So listen to those shows, see if you like what you hear, and if you do, then please do support and pledge to make mansplaining masculinity happen. Where I started thinking about being a writer was when the East London line opened and you could go from Dalston to Canada Water on one train. (laughs) And so I would sit on the train every day on on my commute to Westminster at the time and I would write for the whole time and I'd write these short pieces of fiction. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better Please make me better I want to get better 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 acquainted with you 
Today we're getting better acquainted with Miranda. Hello, Miranda. Hello. We're recording in your flat, yeah. which actually wasn't where we were intending to, to record. No. So we've had quite an adventure get, <laughs> getting here. We were originally going to record in a coffee shop and... Uh, well, coffee shop and vintage dress shop, kind of slash. That's right. Kind of yeah, the kind of thing that happens in, in up and coming Hackney. Yeah. But there was a live band sound checking in the next room. Yes. and uh, With a loud drummer. Yeah, I mean, I like background sounds, but my, fa- <laughs> my, my fans, my, my listeners, uh, don't always don't always like it. I, I, got, you know, I, I don't normally call my listeners fans, but I do refer to background sound fans sometimes, so I've confused myself okay. there. Yeah, so here we are in your flat, and it might be mean that at some point your flatmate comes back in the middle there is a chance yes a chance. although she's probably at the gym so, that's okay. so there we go people can get excited about whether or not that's going to happen <laughs> it's a thriller this week uh, <laughs> will will the flatmate arrive so yeah anyway the first question i ask everybody is how do you know me well, yeah, it was fun thinking about this, actually. I think we first met at Spark London, which is the true storytelling night that you emcee in Hackney. That's right. Do you still do that? I, I do. Been for a while, I, so. I, I do emcee in Hackney still. Good. This year I'm planning to leave London, so that when, when that happens I may mm. stop hosting for Spark in Hackney, yeah. but I hope to start up a spark wherever I go uh, and take that with me but actually spark in the current location that it's in in the Hackney attic is only there until June okay because they've literally stopped doing all events in the Hackney attic and fired the person who was in charge of booking the events wow and uh, now now we have to find a new home that's really sad it is quite sad and any any listeners who know any good venues in the Hackney well, the kind of Hackney area, but it doesn't have to be Hackney because we've got, it just has to be like the opposite side of town from Brixton. Um, <laughs> so yeah, do do contact Spark or me and let me know any venues that mm. you can think of. Feels quite good for me. It's not great for Spark, but it's quite <laughs> nice for me to kind of not, not be saying goodbye to the room. Yeah. Like the room and me are going kind of at the same yeah. time. Is it um, coincidence? Mm. Mm. We don't know. Well, I, you know, I hope it's coincidence because otherwise, you know, somebody's lost their job, uh, you know. <laughs> Sorry, for my benefit, I felt really complicated about hosting Spark at the Hackney Attic because it's a great room, mm. um, but the picture house cinemas are kind of currently in a pay dispute with their staff anyway. Right. And so it's been a kind of complicated moral situation for yeah. me whereby I support those workers and I wish that they would get paid the London living wage. However, I'm not paid the London living wage and that's a tiny little bit yeah. of income uh, that I kind of needed. So I, but I felt very complicated about it as if that would justify it. I have felt bad about it at least. I think that building has always been a bit controversial, hasn't it? Because I think that it was it was closed for a really long time, and then there was a lot of chat about who was going to buy it and developers, and they did want something for the community. And then mm. the picture house came in, and yet I still go and watch my films there. So it's one of those things living in Hackney that you have to kind of deal with every day. Right. Yeah, we met at Spark, mm. and it was a Hackney. It was quite a few years ago. Now. It was. I think it was about. 2013. Yeah, it might have been 2014, but um, I think it was 2013. So it's around about when the night started there, I think. I think you were at one of the first few. I'm not sure if it was the first one or one of the first ones. The one that I went to was definitely in January because it was one of those New Year resolution things. Right. And I I think the, the theme was open heart. 
Wow. Okay, remember I remember this that one? Now, and yes. you, you, I remember you hosted it so smoothly. I really <laughs> loved your style, and uh, and you were really warm and kind of encouraging people to come along and, and give their own stories. But you told a story about your dad. I That's think, right, and he one. told a story that night. He did. The yes. only story he's ever told at Spa. Oh wow! I, in fact, engineered that theme to kind of because uh-huh. every time he would come, he would say, "Oh, I haven't got a story that fits the theme." Mm. And so I was like, "Well, if it's called open heart, yeah. there's no way he can say he hasn't got a story because right, right. he's had open heart surgery." So there's like he's the perfect person for that story. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was the reason I came up with that, which is rather self-indulgent. But I don't really these days I don't pick the themes ever because oh, okay. I try to tell a different story every time, and I mm. I feel like if I was picking them. I would be oh, yeah. choosing them for my own <laughs> interest. Of interest. Exactly. Yeah. Did you tell a story the first time you were there? I did, yeah. Right, so the story that I'm thinking of uh, was at that open heart yeah. night. Yeah, wow. it was, uh, so the, I was going along because my housemate at the time was telling a story and he knew that he wanted to tell a story. Right. And it was at a point where I was sort of not sure what I was doing with my life. I'd been an actor previously, I'd trained at drama school and then I had an office job so that kind of conflicted and then I thought okay well why don't I start writing and this was my sort of first writing challenge that I'd done for a really right. long time I'd done bits and bobs in in the meantime but um so he was going along I thought okay I'm gonna write a story and I wrote a story about um a, <laughs> a gentleman that I had been um going on dates with at the time and um how he would dress up every time we met and how while this was very entertaining it was quite a challenge to build a relationship with him and um yeah it sort of ends with me deciding to break things off and him coming to our last meeting dressed as a dragon right I mean spoiler it's, alert it's, a, it's, you know, it's one of the kind of the great sort of spark moments that I think of is like that story just how surprising the whole story is yeah. and kind of you know just kind of it's fun it's funny um, it doesn't kind of leave it in a kind of bad place exactly mm. but you are kind of like left going like what just happened a bit like you were well, in, indeed, your, in your indeed. life in your actual real life <laughs> yeah. So you wrote it down, mm. and I guess you'd kind of read it through and learned it, because yeah. at Spark we don't have notes, no, but people exactly. are obviously allowed to yeah. uh, write that. As long as it's a true story, they're allowed to write yeah. it and then kind of say it. Um, that's interesting to know. I didn't know that you'd, you'd written it in advance. Uh, it, you, you, the way you told it was so alive and in the moment, <laughs> it did really feel like very immediate, the story. Yeah. So I guess that's a compliment on your writing as well, because oh, well, you've, yeah. you've obviously achieved that with, with what you did. Well, and I, your performance. Obviously. I mean, it was, it, it's really funny because you can write something, but when you're telling it to people, I think that's what I love about telling stories to people is right. that you react to them and the story kind of changes depending on what, what people are giving you back. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, and obviously the, the kind of bits I couldn't plan in advance, whether people would like it or whether they find it funny or whatever. But yeah, it was a really, really great experience. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's a great story. I think it went out on the podcast. It did, yeah. Like on its, it went out on its own at some point. Yeah. Um, so people should totally check that out. Yeah. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Also, weirdly, the Open Heart Night, I think, went out as a special one. So I made a whole special with every, yeah. pretty much every story. So people can listen yeah, to that too. Night. It was. It was. And so you, 
you and uh, as you say a few of your friends were kind of regulars at Spark mm. for a few years yeah. um, and then in the kind of ER <laughs> sense of like see do teach Spark has sparked maybe yeah. or p- been part of the Spark Hugely, uh, yeah. for you making your own storytelling night indeed right? yeah so yeah. it totally was an inspiration so I, I run a storytelling night called There Goes the Neighbourhood in Hackney I usually tell a true story at the beginning just to kind of get people warmed up and then we get people to write fiction and poetry and we've had a rapper we have had a letter writing exchange read out we have had an artist come and read some of her art notes for a project lots of really interesting weird and wonderful things and they are always brilliant and right. um, but yeah I was hugely inspired to to do it because I could see you know that you guys were doing something really amazing and your theme I think you say connecting people through stories and that really I, I really believe in that and I yeah. believe that in sharing work I think true stories have a particular effect on on an audience but even reading aloud Right. I think that there is a wonderful kind of bond that you get between audience and Absolutely. Reader. I mean, reading aloud, I think, is also a great thing. I mean, I always say to people at Spark, when I'm saying don't come and do poetry or don't come and read something or don't come and do a comedy routine, it's not because I don't love all of those genres. Mm. It's just because when an audience is expecting a true story, it's not going to go down well. It's not the right audience. Yeah. But your night is kind of like, a, which is why you had to set up your own night, because yeah. you couldn't do do that at Spark, what you're doing mm-hmm. in your night. And I, I keep meaning to, to come to it, actually. Uh, I think it keeps clashing with Spark, I think. That might yeah, be part of the problem. No, no, that's, that's, <laughs> that's absolutely fine. Hopefully, before I leave London, I will make it along uh, to check you out and check out the night, because it sounds like a, a night that I would really enjoy, too. The second question that I ask everybody is, what do you do now? Wow. <laughs> that is a very good question. Question. Right, it does have a potential for existential crisis <laughs> yeah, to sort of exactly. erupt from it. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, so I, uh, I, I work at nine to five. Uh, I'm a civil servant. And I, have, I, have, I was doing that at the time. That was kind of my day job that I got um, after I stopped getting acting jobs. Right. <laughs> or that they were few and far between. I mean, it was right. it was not a great time to graduate during the financial crisis. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there are many reasons I don't act anymore, I think. But um, I started temping and then got a, a full-time job there. I got a very full-on full-time job. And after that, I had to take a career break for six months um, right. to kind of... <laughs> decompress from right. that um, but I went to Berlin and that was really lovely right and, wow yeah and then uh, and then I came back and, and I worked full time but I also studied um, creative writing at Birkbeck oh, University cool. so that was in the evenings and um, during that time I was a switch job so now I work in the city but still for the government which right. is kind of very different vibe from Westminster where I was right. which is very leafy and very very political but now it's much more about kind of that energy of the city, which is kind of strange but appealing, right? And um, yeah, it, it's it's an experience uh, working there as well. Um, right, great for a so, writer in some ways to have had those two very different but interesting experiences. I think so, and I think I think I don't write about that explicitly. No, sure, of course. Um, <laughs> lots of people say, "When are you going to do your like political thriller or something?" But I feel too close to it. For right well, now. And, and it's a complicated thing. There's yes. kind of kind of requirements of the job that mean that people yeah. often can't 
talk about things. In mm-hmm. fact, you know, as, I mean, I used to work for a local authority and it was in my contract that I couldn't talk about uh, that local authority in a kind of public sphere, yeah. in, a, yeah. in a negative way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the first five years of, of getting better acquainted I don't ever say anything negative about that particular council now <laughs> I'm free and I can uh, if I want to say negative things about that council or any other council but the thing is these days kind of I don't really want to say anything yeah. mean about councils because they've got enough they're under they have enough, got enough uh, attack pay, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't want to go around slagging off the NHS uh, because well, yeah, who knows how long it'll exist. Right. Um, but yeah. So, like, yeah, I guess that makes sense that you're not writing political thrillers, mm. particularly not now anyway. Uh, no. It seems a bit kind of uh, rash for people to be suggesting you do it at this moment, at least. Well, yeah, I think it probably would get me in trouble. Indeed it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, you know, I, I quite like to write about other things that are, are away from that. <laughs> right. um, I mean, basically you're in an office as well, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's... It's interesting all of these things going on around you, but there, but offices are not... I mean, you know, okay, there's the office, but, like, there's <laughs> there's only so much kind of drama and or yeah. comedy or anything else that could be wrung from an office. Although, I say that, any rule is absolutely yeah. not true. Is you know, there's, there's, there's amazing books about offices. I'm probably going to be able to think of them before the end of this conversation. <laughs> I, well, so, yeah. I, read, I read a good one. I, I don't know whether it was called We, or it was certainly written in the third person about oh, an office right. and um, about how the office is going under and all the kind of like very strange surreal things happen right while people are trying to cling on to jobs and how I mean it's kind of, it's sad but it's a real comedy yeah that sounds really good so it is, it is good I mean yeah I mean I take back all of everything I've said <laughs> about offices but that said I understand why you'd want to write about yeah. things outside of your day-to-day existence which is all I was really getting at mm, when I, I started down that road <laughs> well I think you have to there is a certain element of escapism isn't there when you're writing but I guess those personal relationships you have will inform Absolutely. your writing and and the characters that you meet through your day job or wherever um will somehow come back and you might not even realize it right and then someone might say that you know that's exactly like that person and uh and you go oh yeah that's that's because that's who they're based on i forgot about that <laughs> And so, and what do you write? Like you write, obviously, you write short pieces that you do at your night. Yeah. But what else do you write? Well, I'm I'm working and working on a novel, and I kind of feel a bit embarrassed about saying Don't feel that. Feel embarrassed feels... about that. <laughs> well, you know, like because people are always working on their novel for the whole of their life, aren't they? Well, no, not everyone. And I don't want to be be that person. Um, so I started writing on my course, and it's a mystery novel. It's set in Italy. And it's about a young woman in her sort of late 20s who has kind of messed up her life in London. She goes away to escape for a bit and then stumbles upon a mystery that's been bubbling under this village for decades. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm I'm already sold at like it's it's, it's a female protagonist. Uh, that, that that always makes it much more interesting well, than yeah. than most of the books that you get to read. Certainly, they're part of the literary canon. Um, so, mm. yeah, that's great though that you're writing a novel. I mean, and I don't think you should feel like. <laughs> kind of apologetic about it i mean i say that like you know i've 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 been in your shoes of being the you know i'm writing a novel i'm not at the moment um 
but I have written novels in the past and so I understand the feeling that you're going through of like oh is it ever gonna end like (laughs) is it really a novel if it hasn't got any kind of public like it's not being published Mm, at the moment or whatever or you haven't got an agent all of these things Mm. that kind of mean that we tell ourselves we're not allowed to call ourselves a writer or a novelist yeah yeah so I I can simply and my my partner also is is a a novelist so I mean saying this of course it's it's half reassuring but half the other problem with being a writer is is that there's a lot of us about right yeah and so Mm -hmm. it does sometimes feel like wow everybody's writing a novel and how can how can mine what what can mine do in that world so I don't mean to like be putting you off (laughs) as I'm trying to reassure you (laughs) no no, I, it is reassuring. Um, I, I've, I thought a lot about that. You know, they, you know, if everyone is a writer, what 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 does that mean? But I think there are so many stories, and I think mm-hmm. people want to listen to lots of different stories. Absolutely. In fact, why doesn't everyone write a book and not the same person write this, loads of books? Yes, I mean, I'm <laughs> maybe all for that, that would be more interesting. I'm all for that. I mean, that's you know, that's kind of one of the things that kind of goes on in the kind of world of podcasting to a certain extent like mm-hmm. a lot of podcasters do think like that like everyone should have their own podcast because mm-hmm. everyone's story is interesting of course you know as as everybody does get a podcast mm-hmm. which is currently happening yes. you know you feel differently about that at different times i've got a podcast <laughs> <laughs> sorry right but you're right but and, and then how do you discern quality i suppose that's right. tricky. Um, but then is it about the quality to... as well? Like, is it about, like, is, is it about the act of writing? Is it about making the story? Like, does a novel exist until it's read by someone? All of these <laughs> questions, uh, existential and otherwise, come up uh, when you're a writer. But you, like, so you, you studied at Birkbeck, and mm-hmm. I know a few people who studied at Birkbeck. Mm. Um, it seems like a, quite That's a good course, fantastic right? fantastic course. I think uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, the lecturers, they're all kind of writing themselves, so I think that they can give you some good advice. They, they're quite well connected, so you right. do meet people who right. are in the industry who give you a really good insight into, well, you know, how does publishing work, what gets you published, that kind of stuff. Doesn't mean that you will, of course, but um, the, the main thing, though, I took away from the course, which is exactly what I hoped for, was a network of other people who right. write and who... My, my friends they're all quite good so right. you know obviously look up to them quite a lot but I think that's helpful because it sort of motivates you as well to, right. to get better and, and we still meet um, every couple of weeks and and they're really nice people as well there's nothing better mm. than people who like are in the trenches with you they know yeah. what it's like like so I'm in a writing group and that writing group originally started at Birkbeck. I wasn't oh, right. I wasn't at Birkbeck, but um, one of the people in the group was looking for new members and I and I worked with her. Um, and so not like what the writing group is now, I think there's only two people who went to Birkbeck left in it. Mm. But it's a, a, still a group of people who, uh, you know, you wouldn't have... That's the beautiful thing about it. You haven't got anything else in common exactly apart from the fact that you're writers. And so that's a really useful resource. Like that never happens. You Mm. generally make friends with people who are sort of in your sphere of life. Mm. And so it it is really remarkable. And as you say, uh, when, when they're good 
good writers yeah. as well they're inspiring and, and 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 all of those things happen as well and you get to kind of see their progression as well like as their work gets yes. better I love and, that yeah and they get to see it in your work mm. and point it out when you never would have been able to see it yourself if you were working on your own and didn't have that feedback so mm. yeah I love like my writing yeah. group and I think it's a really important thing if, if anybody out there is a writer like find yourself a writing group like totally. you might be like oh I'm an introvert why would I need a writing group well all of you know pretty much all of my well half of my writing group is are introverts like there's there's no <laughs> yeah. that lots of writers are introverts being an introvert doesn't mean you can't have amazing relationships and friendships with people and it's just really important I think to get that feedback rather than to have only your own going round yeah. or the, or like occasionally giving your work to other people and like not knowing like <clears throat> not knowing that first of all like have they got the time to read it uh, like do yeah. you value their opinion that's another part mm-hmm. of it and then they're also like you know if they are going to give you their opinion how are they going to give it you is it going to destroy you like other writers they know how hard it is so yeah. even if they're criticizing you they're they're holding your hand while they definitely do it. I, I think that is a really good point and I, I've, I've actually when I submit to writers group I feel really scared but when we go there and we talk about it I usually come away hugely inspired and people often pick up on things that you didn't think were that good right and, and they do and that just makes you makes you keep going right yeah, it's so it's so essential, and and really, I'm I'm glad you've got that because like, it is hard. Mm. Uh, in, in, I think being a writer and having a day job, like I've done that. Yeah. Um, and you know the 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 gulf between the world you're creating in your mind and the world you're inhabiting in your day, <laughs> yes, can be a really kind of painful thing. But it but it it's great to have like other people who can share in that that experience with you and 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 be you know just like spark right it's like people who've experienced the same things like that's what we all are hungering for to know we're not the only one (laughs) you know who's experiencing whatever it is totally i i I totally agree with you that's uh that's all that all that i live for (laughs) some recognition and and like so okay so you were an actor and now you're a writer i mean those are two disciplines that are very closely related mm-hmm. and it's definitely not a binary of like actors writers most uh actors write or create in some way mm. in some some shape or form um and similarly writers don't just write they often do other things as well which of those kind of came into your life first or like did they come at the same time i have a really clear memory of being a kid and saying what I wanted to be when I grew up and one of those things was a writer and one was an actor and the other was a singer (laughs) and the other was a comedian and I can't really sing and I'm not that funny so (laughs) the other two have stayed with me Uh, and I think all, all along my kind of acting career I was writing as well um but not really taking myself seriously and I I didn't actually think I was creative at all when I was in drama school or like doing my drama degree right. I never thought and people would say to me sometimes oh you're really creative Miranda I think that's because I dressed a bit strangely <laughs> and I'd be like, I haven't created anything and it uh as an actor and, and and this is not true but I didn't feel like I was being creative really but I did lots of kind of impro stuff and device stuff and that felt a bit more like I was creating something of course I think that is a misconception because of course you are and the actors 
really really important in a piece of theatre of Absolutely. course they're not just uh, you know a robot speaking lines right but just I hadn't made that connection so when I started to write things and like I had a play put on or a short play that was a kind of really kind of eye-opening moment I kind of made something and it, it had a life outside of right what I was doing and somebody else was speaking your words and yeah. you could hear them in a different way that you've ever heard yeah. them on the page all that stuff that's kind of scary yeah it is scary <laughs> but great like it's, it's like when you you find that there's like jokes that you didn't know were there or that you, that, you <laughs> yeah. know or that that thing kind of does mean a different thing than you thought and mm. or like you know these the meaning isn't fixed necessarily in art but it's great it's great to hear other people's interpretations of yeah. yours sometimes yes. <laughs> and, it, and it's also great when they hit the nail when they say exactly the exactly way that the you, way meant, you it. meant it yeah yes and but, you know you've communicated that yeah. to them like so that's kind of on you as well as them mm. so is the yeah those moments are great so you so you right so you sort of you started writing in terms of like theatre then mm, in plays yeah. Um, and now you're writing a novel. Like, yeah. why did you make that switch? Um, well, I think if I had time, I'd still try and write plays. But um, right, <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> I got into the novel through Birkbeck because I, I really liked short stories before I went to Birkbeck. And where I started thinking about being a writer was when the East London line opened, and you could go from Dalston to Canada Water on one train. <laughs> and so I would sit on the train every day on, on my commute to Westminster at the time and I would write for the whole time and I'd write these short pieces of fiction flash fiction right. as it is called I think I, I was inspired because I knew somebody else who was trying to do a piece a day and I thought well you know I'll, I'll give that a go the pieces was standalone and I quite liked having finished a piece and then the pieces sort of started getting longer <laughs> uh, and then I, I was doing other things like Spark and starting to think that maybe I could write something, I didn't know what it was, reading a lot of short stories I really love J.D. Salinger so he was my kind of go-to guy um, and Catherine Mansfield, I did a short course at the Bishopsgate Institute in short story writing so this was kind of something that I was working towards and then I went away for my six months and I was in Berlin and it was really great and really inspiring I mean it's an amazing city such a great place and there was so much space there and there's so much space just physically and right. also space to be creative. Right. If you say, oh, I'm an actor, I'm a writer, no one says, what have you been in then? Whereas right. they do here. Um, maybe it was just the people I was with, they didn't. But right. I, I think people just kind of accept it. You say, I'm an artist, they're like, okay. Yeah. Right, right. Mostly because people in Berlin just don't really care about, about much. <laughs> Right, I mean, it's, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's like people, like okay, Berlin and London might be listed together, and they mm. are both capital cities, mm. but that's kind of where the similarity ends because they are such different like environments. They feel so different to be in yeah. two spaces, um, and yeah, Berlin. There's a lot of great things about. It. I've I've got some friends in Berlin, so I've been there a few times, and mm-hmm. it is a. I can understand how it's a place that would be really inspiring. Yeah. Uh, just because of the space, like literally, like space is kind of what you need to to find words uh, when you're trying to kind of pluck them out of the the air. Right. It would it just 
yeah, space to wonder and dream. Mm-hmm. And it's got so much history. It's got so many stories. Yeah. Just in the ground, you know. Yeah, right. I would. I Literally, lived very yeah. close to where the Berlin Wall was. Right. And so on my way to the swimming pool, which I was amazing. Uh, <laughs> it's right on the spree. It's, it's, it's called the Badeschiff. And if anyone's ever in Berlin, definitely check out the Badeschiff. <laughs> it's uh, it's the, the most beautiful pool in the world I think anyway so I would walk over these bricks in in the road and that's where the wall used to stand and right. every day just crossing from east to west how easy it was for me to do that right. and yet for the people living you know what is it 25 years ago 30 years ago not very good at math anyway yeah I'm um, not good at math either so <laughs> um, people who are can people, fill it in, you know, in their heads yes and everybody else won't like care nearly 20, yeah, 20 years ago <laughs> um, and they wouldn't have been able to do that. So I would think about that. And you could see um, kind of they, they have these gold flagstones that commemorate um, the Jewish people who were taken to concentration camps. Right. And they're, they're in the ground. And then there would be these huge spaces um, just where buildings had been taken down. Maybe they were Soviet buildings or right. something like that. So the, the things that made me made me think and made me kind of want to to write and explore and think about things. Um, but one thing that I thought about Berlin was that although it's a really good place to go and create things, it didn't seem to me a place that would help with like the publishing or the kind of the getting the exhibitions or things right. like that. Because th- nobody's asking anybody where 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 they've where they've been seen or whatever. Right. That's and part of that. It's not the cult- yeah. same culture. Like I guess for all it's horrible in London. Yeah. The way that everybody is so goal orientated. Indeed. Yeah. If you have a goal, maybe it's the place to it, be. It's in. a it is a it's it's a place where you can be ambitious. I think London, whereas. Uh, for for me, I, I think people. Sure. Are, uh, everyone gets a different London. Different, right. Everyone's a different person. Exactly, and uh, but ju- just just for me, it felt like London was a place that you could there that would drive me to finish something, whereas Berlin was a place that would kind of you know I could stay there and flow and be very happy, but maybe never really do anything. <laughs> so, so I thought, well, and also I felt, how am I going to get better at writing? I really wanted to get better at writing. And I didn't know there who could help me. Now, I, I do know now there are quite a few places, quite a few writers groups in Berlin, different um, people working with English language as well. But I wanted to do a master's. So... I knew that Beck did one, and I thought, okay, I've, I've got. I, I had a career break, so I had a job to come back to. And so I thought, okay, if I come back to do the job, I want to do something else. And I, and so I, I tried to get in, and I did, and I was really chuffed. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a very useful six month break. Mm. Sounds like a very needed one too. It, it was, um, yeah. But also <laughs> a very useful one. Is there some kind of fan in this room? Oh, I think it's. Is the it the fridge? Yeah, I mean that's fine. Um, I was just checking because I, uh, if I, if it was something that could be turned off, then I would turn it off. Oh, but sorry. since it isn't, we sh- don't worry about it. Forget it. Forget I even said like, that. I can't stop listening. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> I don't mind, and I am, I am a fan of messy sound, unlike some of my listeners. Oh, um, so that's fine with me. <laughs> I like to be in environments. Kitchens are environments that yeah. have fridges. Fridges are mm. things that make sounds. Uh, you know, like anyway, a lot of my my episodes are recorded in my kitchen, and and the, the 
fridge and freezer go on occasionally and sometimes I don't stop them and sometimes I do depends on if somebody's saying something really you know it's, you don't want to like stop to turn um, off the fridge yeah. uh, and you know <laughs> you lose the best best audio you would have got I mean it's for me it's about content not about sound um, and uh, other podcasts are available for people who disagree with me that's fine <laughs> okay so I've got this like really nice kind of vivid picture of you writing flash fiction on mm. the, the the newly established <laughs> train great. line oh, and great. I mean and that relates like I know that from years of like commuting commuting does kind of form part of the rhythm of your writing sometimes mm. like whatever it is you're writing like the time you have in the day when you you have headspace yeah. uh even if you haven't got actual physical space because you've got someone's elbow in your nose and somebody <laughs> else is like reading a newspaper on your head uh, you, you are like stuck for a couple of hours of a day thinking and so I can totally see how that helped you to write those pieces and so because I'm thinking about you writing flash fiction it makes me think of the project that you're doing at the moment right um yeah. what's it called a thousand voices 100 oh there you go that, yeah I'm, I'm making you a, an even more yeah, the an task even would be harder really... task a hundred voices for a hundred years right yeah that's right the project was set up to commemorate a hundred years of women votes in the uk or votes for some women in yeah. the uk women over 30 who own land right um so the anniversary was and in why February. and they have to have a british passport and et cetera, yes, et cetera. I, think, I, I can't remember what the the exact stipulations were in 1918 but yeah. there were quite a quite a few it there wasn't were lots by any means and in fact it's, it's the same time that some men also right. got the vote. I think it was, was it men over the age of 25 or men over the age of 25? Something like that. It was slightly better for the men, obviously, yeah. um, but it was still, you know, uh, a time when working thought. class people in general yeah. got in, in a little bit more democracy mm, and yeah. women particularly got actually some form of representation. Yeah, which, well, you know, it it was a step forward, although there was... And perhaps is still plenty of work to do, which Indeed. is kind of the the driving force behind the project. So it commemorates right. 100 years, but it also celebrates female narratives written and told by women. Because I think that though we are in a really great position where we are seeing more women's stories, not all of them are told by women, and I, I think that that's fine. But I would like to see more women telling women's stories yeah and then they can you know they don't have to tell women's stories either but but that's what this project focuses on so i've asked a hundred female writers to write three to five minutes and record it and i have got a podcast where you can listen to them and we broadcast one every single day and we've we started on the 6th of february and we'll finish i think it's the 17th of may so we're we're just over halfway through now. I think we're day fifty. We're coming up to day fifty-eight. Right. Um, and the stories have been fantastic. I, I put a, a call out to my networks, and then people sent it on to their networks. I have recruited people on social media, and I've got a form on the website that we have where people can just apply to be included. So I've got a really interesting range of people, lots of people I didn't know before, and people from all around the UK, which is brilliant. And the stories, every day, I I am surprised and elated when they come in. <laughs> when I was really worried it wouldn't 
kick off at all, you know. Right. Um, and I, I think I only sent the call for submissions, the first one, about two two weeks or three weeks before we were due to go live. And I thought, if I get 30 people committed to give me a story by the time the 6th of Feb comes round, then it's going to happen. I did, but I still didn't have any. Uh, I think it was like two two weeks before. Uh, and it was on my birthday we got the first one through. Wow. And it was such an amazing birthday right. present. I was like, yes, this is going to happen. And it was such a great story and it was recorded perfectly. I thought, yes, this has got legs. And it's been really interesting for me. And also I think it's built a bit of a community of people as well and they support each other they listen to to each other's pieces and I hope that other people who are not involved in the project will listen to it too and and just see that there is this wealth of talent out there right and also that there are so many different ways to be a woman right 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 I mean those are both fantastic uh things to be achieving and aiming for yeah i guess you were inspired to do it because like obviously this is a a moment like it's the 100 Mm. year uh centenary that's what that means isn't it so there's no reason to say 100 years uh of the vote um and you're a woman and you're a writer Mm. but like when did that idea come to you i i think i'd sort not not long before i've I did it. Right. Which, it was one of those, it was one of those quick <laughs> ideas that you get locked into. Exactly. I was I, like that with stand-up tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Which five was a years, great so success. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was talking about this to uh, to someone I've met through doing the project uh, today and said, if I'd have known what it would involve, I don't think I would have done it. Yes. And, and yes. that's the thing with these creative projects or anything I guess you just going for it is sometimes really really what valuable worthwhile because you can think about something for ages and never do it right and it, you just have to get on with it yeah I mean I know that feeling so well of like oh this is how much work it is I <laughs> don't know if uh, I would have done it but I, I always yeah. like liken it to kind of like uh, people having children or whatever like everyone's like oh yeah I know what that's going to be like and then <laughs> when it happens it's very much different and harder and yeah. all of these things but yeah. of course you get joy from it the same mm. way that you I, I imagine have get joy from having children <laughs> well I do call it the baby right you know, exactly <laughs> I mean and there's quite a there's quite a tradition of like uh, creators thinking of their work as kind of yeah. I think Nick Cave calls his songs his sad-eyed little children <laughs> And like I get, I get it. Like I, I think it is like that. Like, it's, and it's not just the work that you do yourself. Like, I know that it's when you do something like well, you're doing a collaborative yeah, project exactly. that that also feels like a, a child, but maybe even more like a child because it is a collaboration, and a child is not just yours, right? A, a child is you've got two parents, uh, and like uh, or or more depending on yeah. how your family is orientated or less. Um, but still, like it takes a village to, to raise a child, yeah. and a child is the product of loads of different yeah. factors. And they have their own ideas. Yeah, they right? do. Um, and I, right, I, right, <laughs> right, right. But I, uh, mine of all, I, I have had hugely positive experience for, from this, and, and and I suppose I see myself as a facilitator because right. it, it literally couldn't happen without these people coming to me and well, saying, "Yeah, I'm happy to share my story." The um, world needs facilitators. Well, the yeah, arts yeah. absolutely needs yeah. facilitators because it's full of people who want to do stuff but just 
oh, can't organise themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes I feel you like know. one of those people. Yeah, um, me too. But, but then you then you find yourself organising things, right? right. That, that's how I am. And anyway. it, is, it is it is glorious too. I thought about this with um, with my story night as well. If you've got a platform, you know, you kind of need to use it and try and yes. try and build that diverse range of voices. Right. That is something that I'm quite passionate about. So I had this network. I was very lucky. I kind of knew that I would have some people who were up for it. And I thought, well, you know, Go for why it. not? I mean, that's the thing as well. What what do you lose? It always feels like you lose everything. It always feels like it's really high stakes, but actually, yeah. there's not not very often massive mm. stakes in in the arts. Really, like <laughs> you put on a play and no one comes. You know, you, you still get yeah. up the next day. That is, <laughs> that is true, and I do try and tell myself that as well when I haven't got any voices for the next day. Right, and that's. Because you've got a permanent a rolling yeah. deadline, yeah. and as someone who's got a weekly deadline, that's hard enough. But yeah. you've got a daily deadline. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, I hope, like, I hope you've all sorted everything for today, because I, I guess I don't want to take up your time. I'm going to have to do that after, after you oh, go. Oh my goodness! Don't, don't, it's right. Right. I know who I know who I've got. It's a good right. one tomorrow. It was right. a good one today. Of course, it was. But it's always a good one. Exactly. Yeah, that's how. That's what I'm like about <laughs> getting better acquainted as well. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, and yeah, that, I mean, it must be a fascinating project to do as well, just because, yeah, I mean, I guess it does, it will show you directly something that you already know, but like, mm. uh, the, how diverse the stories of women are, like yeah. how different they are, how different women are, right? And I know that you know that, um, but like society doesn't tell us that. And so it's still quite amazing to see it. I mean, that's how I feel at Spark sometimes, like the diversity of of voices of people who just come to a storytelling night is amazing. Um, And I know, of course, everybody's individual and interesting Mm. and unique and exciting, but like you don't really know it until you see it or feel it like in that moment totally so I guess you're probably feeling a similar thing yeah it's and it's really inspiring um I think with with the project there are themes you know and people tell similar stories but everyone tells it in a really different way and and some of the things that I've had to do with the project is convince people to share their stories when they come and they say oh I've right. written this but it's a bit like the one that's that's already up there and I have to say that doesn't matter because you all tell it differently mm-hmm. and um and I maybe we are conditioned that we have to have a certain experience in a certain way or it's, it's not valid mm-hmm. um you have to but have particularly the women. most joyful yeah. or the most tragic story but no I it, mean that's interesting I mean because it's as, as well, I mean, that is a thing that women are generally socialised mm. to apologise and say, like, you know, the theory that I, I'm not just, I don't just think it's a theory, I think it's real, but like the theory is that, like, you know, a, a man will apply for a job that they have no qualifications for confidently, mm. and a, a woman won't apply for something they're overqualified for because they won't think they're good enough for it. Now, that, those are extreme yeah. examples, and of course, everything uh, falls in a kind of continuum, and I quite often 
uh, like even both me and my partner often say, what would a uh, mediocre white man do uh, to try and work out like if, how we should respond to emails? And I am a mediocre white man and I still don't have the confidence of one. So I, no, I do I, understand I it's, it's Well, I mean, I, I have a, a kind of insecure kind of confidence that, uh, that, that I like to, that I've, I've, you know, I've had for a, li- a long time. I'm comfortable with it. But but yeah, I mean, it, I guess it is a, a thing whereby women's voices are so underrepresented and underappreciated and women at the same time are not always valuing their voices because of what they're told about themselves. And I guess you're seeing all of that um, with this project. It sounds like you're kind of fighting against that a little bit, but also probably the opposite of that, like how how confident some women are and how brilliant their voices generally are. I mean, exactly. You get get both extremes. I I don't know if I mentioned, but the theme of the podcast is something I have achieved. Right. So... I had a really funny situation where somebody had done this really brilliant podcast very confidently talking about all their achievements, how they've got to that stage, and then um, sent me an email going, oh, I hope it's okay, right. I wasn't sure, right. and, uh, you know, what do you think about this? And then we laughed about that because the whole the whole point of the, of the piece was that they were being very confident, and that's great, and that's exactly, you know, how it should be, and... Um, and yet there was this this strange kind of, yeah, what is it, conflict. Right. And, and maybe that's exactly what you're talking about. So that's the conditioning that kicks in, you know. We, we say, oh, you know, I'm really proud, I did this, it's so exciting, and then you have to immediately apologise for that because... Well, people aren't yeah. expected to be proud. Like, pr- mm. pr- pride is often, particularly women or, like, just generally people who are not uh, me, like, haven't got the cultural privilege, structural privileges that I have, like... It, it, it's like you're not supposed to make a fuss you're not supposed to be seen you're not yeah. supposed to be like confident you're supposed to apologize you're supposed to think of other people's emotions rather than your own all of that yeah. stuff was one of one of my um one of my contributors and uh, they've all been so hugely supportive as well every now and then they send me little emails going yeah go on we can keep going right. and that was really nice and she said don't don't forget that um you're talking to women who are naturally not great at putting themselves forward or have you know uh, have these reasons why they don't and also british people right there is an element of that as well yeah. isn't it um yeah you know, absolutely. we're sort of socially conditioned as well we're supposed people. to know our place and yeah. stay there mm. um that's maybe a class thing as yeah well, i know? think so but it's but i think it's something that affects people of all classes as well mm. because like whatever class you're in that's the one you're supposed to stay in and yeah. you're supposed to operate within the rules of that particular place. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely it's like obviously uh, harder for working class voices and people to kind of like have that confidence mm. that some people are bred and bred to have. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely a class issue, which is, you know, this country is a class issue basically that everything about it. But then yeah. I also think it can be overstated the idea that, the UK is all about class and then it makes people think oh America's not got a class system or other places that, and they do right they absolutely do we just can't see them because they're not as as codified and and like straightforward as our 
horrible class system. That's really interesting, actually. My mum's my Swedish, so I always right. think, oh, you know, Sweden's such an equitable place. Right. But I think the, the fact is that most people are of the same class. Right. <laughs> so you don't get extreme rich and you don't get extreme poverty, maybe, or you certainly didn't, you know, right. a few years ago. But... But there are a lot of differences, and if you don't conform to certain norms, I think right. there, then you are you you're seen differently. Well, normativity mm. in itself mm. is a class system, right? Mm. There's right. people who like fit the cultural norms, and people who don't. And mm. I might tick a lot of boxes of privilege, but I have also not fitted the cultural norms, yeah. uh, and so I have had experience of not being considered to be in the in group. Mm. Um, but anyway. Uh, I, I don't want to de- derail our, our discussion about women to be about how hard I had it. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting, your project, like, all of those things coming up all the time, like the good and the bad, mm. and just the pressure. Like, I'm, I'm very impressed with you taking on this kind of, yeah, this, it's a big, big thing. To, like, daily put out a thing. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, have you got? You haven't got the full hundred locked in, so you you don't know. No, not You're like yet. running off a cliff, uh-huh. like throwing down a bit of the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly right. Exactly right. You right. said scrambling, scrambling, scrambling. Um, but that's part of the fun of it, yes, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, I I like that. Um, so <laughs> I like the drama of it all. Right. Um, but also, you, I, I I do believe we will get there. Yeah. Um, and I've I've actually got a. I'm in. I'm in the, the kind of mid to late nineties of people who've promised me a piece. That doesn't right. mean I'm going to get one. Right, of course, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and a few people that I think I've I've been waiting on for a long time. Maybe, maybe are having you know issues and doubts. All doubt. sorts of things happen. So many life things come up it, during the course of the project. I've heard people tell me these things that are happening to them as well. So I have the correspondence outside of right. what gets broadcast. Right, and of people have been in hospital right. or they've you know had had things happen to them or good things have happened they've got too busy and yeah. and and so life gets in the way of right. these and things and you'll know sometimes. that from running a night too right? right like that's how it always like i don't think there was ever a night of stand-up tragedy where one at least of the performers <laughs> had to pull yeah. out or was swapped around at the last mm-hmm. minute um, and that's because, yeah, like, guess what? All of the people you're watching on stage and reading in books, they've all got lives. Yeah. And uh, we can't Shocking. control them and all sorts of things happen in them. And you just have to get on okay. uh, around that yeah. if you're trying to run a night. Right. And I think, yeah, that's taught me to not be a control freak, which, right. is, which is a good thing, I think. Right. I mean, I always, I've always thought, like, what I'm working towards is having the same level of forgiveness and support for myself that mm-hmm. I have for uh, uh, acts who say they can't do things at the last minute because like even if I even if they're being unreasonable I will let them off and not be and like be quite kind of even-handed yeah. about it and think just yeah well sometimes people's lives my night's not the most important thing in the world fair enough um but I can't do that for myself you know if I have to pull yeah. out of a thing or like I'm, I feel like Ooh. oh my god oh, I can't do that it's that yeah. is that's really interesting. I wanted to ask you about that actually because I I was thinking about the pressure that you we p- put on ourselves as 
creative people or if you if you're running something mm -hmm. and how that can sort of sometimes lead to a bit of burnout and um yeah. i think i've had like on on facebook one of your posts like you, i don't know when it was maybe a year ago or something and you were saying like i'm really gonna have to cut down on the things that i do or maybe mm. we were talking about yeah it. and um and I thought, oh, that's a really refreshing thought <laughs> that you can actually say no to things and like it's not the end of your life you know because yeah, I mean, I don't know if I, I haven't done it efficiently in that I stopped doing stand-up tragedy and started doing a different project, which is equally yeah, as true. kind of life, <laughs> life sucking and uh, hard, but in a different way. Like I need a break, and I am taking a break from that, from mm. that kind of regular stress of a night, and it's like it's it's kind of all of the stress, and then the joy of the actual thing yeah. coming together and it being the best. And I was, I, was, I was talking to somebody else about this on a recent Getting Better Acquainted. Like, because it goes well, the first few days afterwards, you're like, this is the best. And you send off all your initial new emails <laughs> for the next project yeah. that, that, that week. And then the week after, you're like, oh, yeah, I hate, I hate, I hate this. Why am I doing it? Um, and so I am happy to take a little bit of a break from that, which is not to say that I don't think people should start their own nights and do their own nights. And certainly, oh, I, d I, d I know, would definitely recommend it. Even I do. I it, recommend it. It doesn't have to last forever, right. I suppose. Right. It has a life, exactly. like anything. Yeah. Like so, like yeah, you wouldn't want to write a novel, for, as you've said, for the rest no, of your no, life. Thank you. Um, and similarly, <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to host a night for the rest mm. of their lives. Yeah. Although sometimes these things, they they have, as you said earlier on as well, like things they, they take over like you're not really programming them anymore like yeah. opportunities come up and you kind of can't say no and mm -hmm. then you've been doing them for even longer than you intended so it, I don't know it swings and roundabouts this stuff but you can say no and mm. you can it's no failure to stop doing a thing yeah if the thing was great it will remain great whether you carry on doing it or not right you had that great moment yeah so you don't have to do it forever. So but anyway, your your night, I guess Spark was the main inspiration. Yeah. Or one of the main inspirations well, yeah, for the fact that them, you could definitely. do it, mm -hmm. right? So it's not necessarily that you're trying to be like Spark, but it's, you came along to Spark and you're like, that guy with the, the long hair can, it seems like he's kind of like all over the place, but even if he can get this together, then anyone can. And that is how people should see any night that they go to. Like, we're not special. No. Uh, like, no. anyone can make a night work if you just have to put the work in. Mm. And you, you're doing the work. You've been, how many years have, have you been running it? It now? is, I think it's coming up to two and a half, maybe even three. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. So I, I've lost track, but I, I could work that out. Yeah, it was just when I started Birkbeck, actually, that I decided, okay, I'm going to do it. Because I've wanted to do something for for a little while. And I'd been to another sort of Birkbeck one. I thought, oh, you know, maybe I could do something like this. Or maybe I could run this one. But I didn't really want to do that. And then I was in a, a place called Clapton Residence, which is no longer on Upper Clapton Road. And thought this would be a nice place to put a night on well, why don't I just go and ask them? So I just went and asked and said, you know, would you do any, you know, spoken word or anything like that? And they said, yeah, sure. Ping us an email. And then it was done. You know, I had to do one. Right. And after doing one, I thought, okay, well, 
And are you, do, are you doing it on your own or do you have a team? I, I do it on my own. Ooh. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, we're talking about what, this, is, this is what I've been thinking I mean, recently. To... It's hard. It's hard not to be in charge completely. Like if you're a control freak, like I am kind of. And like if you're someone who doesn't want anyone else to have to suffer or do any work. So you do their work anyway for them. But even that, like well, even with those qualities that I have. Yeah. A team has made it much more achievable. Uh, yes, I agree. Well, I say I say I'm on my own. I'm not. I'm not on my own because right. I have a Craig who comes to do the filming. So he films and does like social media. And not only is he there doing all that cool stuff, so that I don't have to think about it, but it's a huge support. Right. There. But what I would like somebody to help with is to source people and kind of spread the word and that kind of thing yep. because that takes up a lot it of does. time. And um, though it is wonderful, and, and I really love being able to go and hear someone read or meet someone and say, oh, do you know what, you, you should come and read at my night. And like getting to meet them through that excuse is brilliant. Yeah. And it makes you sound more interesting. It does. And people want to talk to you. That's true. So <laughs> it's great. It gives and, you some easy ways into like yeah. talking to people without like having to make weird small talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that's all that's good, all right? good. <laughs> Um, uh, but also having a team and then you kind of work together to build something I think that that is is quite good and certainly what helps a night sustain itself yeah that's what I've been worried about for a little while and I I do worry about the future what worry I do wonder about the future of this project because like you I'm also going to take some time out of London soon and so I'm sort of at a crossroads do what will happen will I come back yeah, I mean, the that's, night and then, or will I be away? And yeah, so I mean, that's always the question: like, will it carry on without you? Mm. And like, when when a night will carry on without you, it means you've successfully created a him. night. But I say that as someone who, you know, when when I put stand up tragedy on ice for a bit, like that didn't carry on. It could carry on without me. Other people could run the nights, yeah, but it couldn't carry on without somebody else to kind of make that happen mm. so it, it, it still couldn't happen it was very much your kind your brainchild right? well and although although it is happening in berlin i don't know if it'll oh, be brilliant. next week or like i don't know when this will come out so it might not be next week but uh yeah my friend cameron moore who's a, a performer and, and creator is in berlin and she's bringing it uh to berlin so it'll be a very different kind of night but sort of around the same concept but I, I, I tried to make that happen when I stopped mm. Stand Up Tragedy, but nobody in the UK uh, was prepared to take 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 on the, well, grasp the nettles. It is hard. Yeah. I get why people mm. can't commit to it, because it is a, mm. a big, big job. But if anybody's listening and they're like, hey, I didn't see that Facebook post. I want to uh, carry on Stand Up <laughs> Tragedy on, on Dave's behalf. Do let me know. Do, 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 <laughs> yeah, do contact exactly. me. I want... I and want also, it to happen without me. And it's very, yeah, we, we, have we been too negative? I don't, I don't, I don't I think want we've to been balanced. <laughs> I think we've showed a balance. But like, so, okay, so you're, you're in a point where you're like, I, I want it to, yeah, I mean, you, you need, you need to find some other people who, mm. who will at least host it when you're out of town, if you want it to carry on yeah. when you're out of town. Yeah, I was thinking when you were, when you were, talking about earlier you were like when I was a child I wanted to be this thing this thing this thing this thing and they're all like the headlines of the arts they're all mm. the things yeah. that, that's, that sound great <laughs> but like what you, you never say as a child is when I grow up I want to send loads of emails <laughs> and only some of them be replied to 
I'm I'm, like, I'm, I want to feel completely overwhelmed by every form of communication <laughs> because I uh, because I decided to set up a night. Yeah. So I mean, it sounds Definitely like I, I I feel you on that. Like no one knows the amount of admin involved in making a creative thing happen. Too, too. Yeah. But then I think also that my day job has taught me a lot of those skills. That's fair. Um, it's yeah. been brilliant because. In my day job, I commission things from people, I make things happen, I try to organise them so it looks nice in spreadsheets, and yeah, do do a lot of things that have equipped me to now be doing things like 100 Voices for 100 Years. Right. And I I totally couldn't have done it five years ago. Right. Um, Because I didn't have the skills and I didn't have the network. And then it's nice now for me to be able to say, oh, you know, all of those day job hours have actually been really worthwhile. Right. That's a nice, that's a nice kind of thing to find within it, actually, like a a positive to find within that, that experience. And I think that's true. I mean, if anybody's out there with a day job and they're like, oh, God, I wanted to forget about day jobs as a concept. That's why I'm listening to this podcast. Like that, that, that is true. There, no matter how bad the day job is, there will be things you can take from it. Like anything, like life. Yeah. Like I, I'm not glad that I was bullied at school. Like I, I, I would take that back. I would. I don't want that to have happened to me. I'm not one of those people who says uh, it made me who I am, and I'm glad for it. Yeah. But there were things I learned from those experiences that I can then use in my life. Yeah. And that's like the best way to look at life is how can I use this? How can I use these experiences that I've had to do what I want uh, in, in, in my life? It's been a real pleasure uh, getting better acquainted with you today. Uh, and thank you for, 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 for at the last minute hosting, hosting <laughs> in your flat. Uh, background sound fans uh, will be disappointed that the fridge... Uh, stopped making its hum uh, a while back. Um, people who care about uh, professional sound quality will be rejoicing, yes. um, which is great for them. And, and it's always nice to have to rejoice in your in your life uh, for things that you enjoy. So I'm glad that you're happy. Uh, people who uh, objected to the sound earlier on. Um, <laughs> it's like you know, it's it's always like this. I think with creative things, you you sort of build up your own critics in your mind. Yeah, I'm sure you find that with writing uh, totally it's like you know you, you you're 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 just voicing all of the things you're imagining people will say <laughs> yeah. about it and a little bit like the, the women that you were talking about earlier on who are like apologizing after they've done it i shouldn't be apologizing now i should just be like confident in the, in my choices I, I, but uh i think it all sounds good when i listen to it <laughs> I'm not sure about this one, obviously. But yeah. Well, some the only time I mind it is when there's like a conversation in the background uh, because it's distracting, like to mm. have two different voices and be trying to trying oh, to yeah. like okay. you know yeah. But I'll, I'll still put them out because I, don't, I, I I these are moments of time captured. That's what you get. <laughs> you know, when you listen to this podcast, that's what you get. Uh, a moment of time captured, and hopefully the forces will align, and it will be a really great sounding moment in time. But you can't control life, um, and. It's a weekly show, as I said. Got to put it out every week, right. so I can't be can't be uh, halving people's uh, opportunities to hear interesting people by caring so much about sound quality. <laughs> anyway, um, the last question that I ask my guests is: Do you have anything to plug? Well, I think I've done quite a good job of plugging throughout this podcast. Well, that's my favourite <laughs> way of it. Plug. Like it's good, but it's good at least to like say where those things are. Yeah. So um, 
the well there goes the neighborhood happens at paper dress vintage every couple of months in hackney so if you're in london and particularly east london do come along we've got a facebook group there goes the neighborhood check it out um and Wherever you're listening, you can listen to 100 Voices for 100 Years. And um, please do, and please do subscribe to our iTunes podcast and like rate us and stuff because that's how we'll get our brilliant voices out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to subscribe because I didn't know if you were if you, that you were on iTunes as well. Like as yeah. when we originally talked about it a while back, yes. I was like, you could just put it out on SoundCloud, or you could just do this. Yeah. And I gave you a few options. You did, and I, I didn't say thank you, which oh, I, I really, no. really meant to do because you, you I wasn't are, fishing for thanks. No, no, but I, I really, I really <laughs> must thank you because your wealth of experience in in this and just that phone call happened at the right time. You know, sometimes you need a bit of support. And it was a moment where I was like, I don't know how to do a podcast and I think it needs to be a podcast. And you gave me some really useful tips. Oh, good. Um, and just, you know, were nice. So that was... I'm very pleased to hear really, that worked really, out like yeah, that. And uh, excited to subscri- subscribe to yes. you for my for my, for my my walk home, right? I can uh, get, get through 58, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> Possibly, if Maybe. it's a long walk it's home. Like five... Five minutes per one. Yeah, probably I can't. I'm, this is where, as I said earlier on, I'm not very good at math. Uh, yeah, but I can at least go, give it a fair few uh, before I get home. And is there anything else that you'd like to plug that aren't projects? You don't have well, to. Well, it's the um, the centenary year of um, the first female voters in the UK. So there's loads of stuff going on um, and you can just Google it and find right. out all these cool Find out about the suffragettes yeah, and, and the suffragettes. Um, Yes, exactly. Everybody. And the last thing that I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thanks. If you're interested in hearing about masculinity and what patriarchy does to men and to all people, if you go to the Unbound website, and there'll be a link to this in the show notes, you can find Mansplaining Masculinity over there and pre-order a copy of that book. Unbound is a kind of cross between a publishing company and a crowdfunding company, which means that the way that the books get published is that people who want to read the books pre-order those books they can pre-order them as a digital copy or as a hardback or they can pledge more money to get different kinds of things along with the book that they're pre-ordering you can find all of that stuff over on mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk if you're interested in reading about me and my dad and our relationship and dementia and memory and time and history and politics and love and friendship check out my essay series down to a sunless sea memories of my dad as well as making getting better acquainted i also co-produce and i guess star in the magical realist audio drama podcast the family tree in order to keep making it and to make season two as good as we want it to be we need your help so if you can afford to then please do consider signing up to our patreon appeal you can follow getting better acquainted on twitter at gba podcast you can like getting better acquainted on facebook and you can find getting better acquainted on itunes soundcloud those kind of places
And remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted.